You're listening to the Sam Emery Podcast. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Sam Emery Podcast. I hope you've all been doing well. Um, school is just around the corner, so let's buckle up. Let's let's really dive into one, our relationship with the Lord. Two, working hard. Um, offer that work up every single day. Offer those sufferings up every single day to the Lord and allow Him to work. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to encourage you guys that for those of you that are at the University of South Carolina with me, make sure you are visiting Christ during the Adoration Hours. Um, DM me on Instagram for more details at I'm Sam Emery. And let me know in that DM that you are from the podcast. Because obviously I have a private account. And so, because I want to protect my privacy and the privacy of those that may be on my account. Um, but yeah, so please DM me um, if you need those adoration hours. Uh, yeah, so let's just dive right into today's episode. So today's episode um, will start with someone I am hoping to become great friends with and someone that I look up to dearly. I hope that me looking up to this person will grow as time goes on, just as my friendship with this person will grow as time goes on. And so the title of this video obviously gives away who I'm talking about, but oh well. Um, I want to talk about Blessed Carlo Acutis, and then later on I would like to dive into some Eucharistic miracles. Um, not only because, one, Eucharistic miracles have kind of fascinated me recently, um, but also because our dear friend, Blessed Carlo Acutis, um, as you'll find out more later, he he made a website documenting Eucharistic miracles. And so how did my exposure to Blessed Carlo Acutis kind of come about? So in a penance one time after, after Holy Confession, I was told to ask Blessed Carlo Acutis for his intercession. And so I think, I think the priest that administered, I don't know if that would be the right word, that the priest that gave me this penance, I don't know if he knew that it would have such a good effect on me. Um, maybe he did, um, but I feel like it might have just been because Blessed Carl Actis was a, is a young is a young man, and so am I, so that might be why. Um, but either way, I'm grateful to this priest for this simple penance, but it's a very, it's a very profound penance. Um, it helps me learn more about, like, I can be a young man and still live in this world, but not for the world, but I can live for Christ. And so that's something that I really enjoy about Blessed Carlo Acutis, and he's just a very relatable guy. And I mean, my interests, like, are slightly different than his interests, but like, all around, they're pretty similar. And so Blessed Carlo, he enjoyed watching movies, uh, reading comics, he enjoyed soccer, and he enjoyed playing video games. Like, come on, like, he's just such a cool dude. And I mean, I enjoy movies, I enjoy reading some books, um, I enjoy sports, and I mean, I don't really play video games like that anymore, but I can definitely, definitely get down with some video games. Um, so, it's... I find it very encouraging that Blessed Carlo is so similar to so many people that I think that it can that he can be encouraging to others as well, which is why I kind of want to talk about him. 
And so, furthermore, I would like to say that Carlo was very holy, which is something I'm not quite yet. I'm trying to get there by trying to cooperate with God's grace. And so, a little bit about Carlo is that he had a very deep devotion to our Blessed Mother and especially to our Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, Blessed Carlo went on to say, so these are some quotes that I got from... Hmm, from the National Catholic Register, I think that's where these are from. Uh, I'll put the links the links down to everything in the description in the show notes. And so he went on to say that the Virgin Mary is the only woman in my life. Now, I mean, that's just awesome. That's just awesome because here I am. I'm called to the vocation of being a husband and raising a family. And here I, I just, I'll constantly just look around, try to figure out who I'm supposed to be with, stuff like that. And like, I don't need, I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to worry about that. I mean, it's good to keep my eyes open. It's good to be, not, it's good to not be oblivious to things. But first and foremost, the number one woman in my life should be the Blessed Mother. And so... While I am trying and being patient and waiting to be with someone, I can trust that, one, that the Lord Jesus Christ will provide since this is the vocation that he has given me. And two, I can ask my my blessed mother, your blessed mother, our blessed mother, to pray for me and to help me find a woman like her. Um, but yes, so I love that quote from Blessed Carlo. And so, in regards to his devotion to the Most Holy Eucharist, he stated, By standing before the Eucharistic Christ, we become holy. He also said, The more Eucharist we receive, the more we become like Jesus, so that on earth we will have a foretaste of heaven. And this one I really like as well. The Eucharist is the highway to heaven. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, furthermore, he also knew the importance of holy confession. Um, he said this, Our soul is like a hot air balloon. If by chance there is a mortal sin, the soul falls to the ground. Confession is like the fire underneath the balloon, enabling the soul to rise again. It is important to go to confession often. I mean, Blessed Carlo died at 15, but he's saying all this. Here I am, I'm 21, and I'm nowhere close to saying stuff such, such profoundly, like such profound things as he did. And so... Everything that he said, like it was just so simple yet so beautiful. And so let's talk about our great friend, Blessed Carlo Acutis, whom we celebrate on October 12th. And so, since I'm trying to be more, more devoted to Blessed Carlo, I will, I will try to, I'll try to celebrate on October 12th. And so, a little bit about him. He was born in London. He was raised in Milan. Um, when he received First Communion, Carlo became very devoted. And he looked to saints as models. And some of these saints being St. Francis of Assisi, Jacinta and Francisco Marto, Bernadette Suberius, and Dominic Savio. I don't know how if I pronounce this correctly, but I'm pretty sure Jacinta and Francisco, I think it's supposed to be Francesco, are the ones from the apparition of Our Lady of Fatima. So I'm going to look it up real quick. Yes, they were. Um, so, 
thanks be to God for helping me to remember that. Uh, and so Carlo was a great friend to his friends as well, something that I tried to be often. And so he would go, he would, he would help his friends through difficult times, and he would also defend disabled students from bullies. He volunteered with the homeless, and he mentioned, and I mentioned earlier how he enjoyed movies, comics, and video games. And so he may sound like a nerd in some sense, but I think that this part is what makes him very cool. And so I mentioned that he made a website dedicating to do documenting every reported Eucharistic miracle around the world. And he did this for four years. Talk about endurance. Talk about just wanting to live for Christ um, and letting, just trying to glorify Christ. And this is just, it's just so awesome. And so this is why I also want to talk about the Eucharistic miracles after, after we get done talking about our new friend. Um, and so Carlo, he lived simply, looking to glorify Christ at all times. And even when he was diagnosed with leukemia, he offered his suffering to God for the intentions of the Pope of the time, which was Benedict XVI, and for the entire church. He died on October 12, 2006, at 15 years old, and he wished to be buried in Assisi at St. Mary Major's Chapel of the Stripping, and he was. And so this place must have been special to Carlo because this is where St. Francis of Assisi, of whom Carlo was devoted, returned his clothes to his father and began to follow the gospel more radically. And so if you're familiar with the story of St. Francis of Assisi, you'll understand what that is all about. And so this is very cool stuff and it's very inspiring to see a young man be beatified. He was a normal guy with a deep love for Christ. And so who's to say that we can't be beatified then? Um... It gives us hope as we live alongside this world that when we set our sights on Christ, all is possible. So, blessed Carlacates, please pray for us. All right. Very cool stuff. Very cool guy. Um, I look up to him and I beg him to please pray for me and to pray for all those around me and just the whole world in general. And so, I have four Eucharistic miracles here that I'd like to talk about. Two. I'm going to be reading just directly from the realpresence.org. Um, that link will also be down there. And these two, the first two, I don't necessarily, I for, don't have the the link to. But it's pretty, um, like, open, open stuff. Um, I got it from a parish. A parish had a PDF online. And I read what they had written and I wrote my own stuff on it. So it's kind of off of what they said, but also like me saying it as well. And so if I find that, I'll put it in there. Um, but yeah, so this first one is at St. Mary in Buenos Aires, Argentina in the 1990s. And so the Eucharist began to bleed when consecrated and part of the host became human tissue. This part of the host that became the human tissue was studied intensely by scientists. And what they found is pretty riveting. And so this tissue was a part of the heart and more specifically a muscle of the myocardium. The myocardium is the muscle that gives life to the whole heart and body. The tissue also revealed that it was belonging to someone who had gone through intense pain and immense strain was put on the heart. This person to whom the tissue belonged went through long periods of time where he could barely breathe and had not and urn had been stabbed in the left side. So this this was revealed that the person went through long periods of time where he couldn't where he could barely breathe and that he was stabbed in the left side. And so who does this make you think of? And so this tissue showed signs of this person being alive rather wait. 
Yes, so this tissue showed signs of this person being alive rather than the opposite, which would obviously be dead. Um, so how could this be? Short answer, God. And longer answer, or the scientific answer, would be that there was intact white blood cells found in the tissue and showed the heart sample was pulsating. Otherwise, the white blood cells would have disintegrated around 15 minutes outside of a living body. <coughs> Excuse me. And so... <coughs> This is just absolutely fascinating. Um, the, it's, the Eucharist part of the host became human tissue. This human tissue was scientifically researched. And it was the part of the heart that gives life to the whole heart and body. And the Eucharist is what gives us life, the body of Christ's life. Because the Eucharist is Jesus Christ. Um, and it was revealed that this sample of this myocardium was belonging to someone that went through immense suffering, immense pain, immense torment, and had been stabbed in the left side. The Eucharist is Jesus Christ. Like if this one Eucharistic miracle doesn't, doesn't stir you up in some way, I don't, I don't know what else to say, because not only does Christ say that the Eucharist is himself, not only do the earliest of Christians and all the saints say that the Eucharist is, him, is Jesus Christ, but we literally have scientific proof that the Eucharist is Jesus Christ. And so I'll move on to the next one. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but... <clears throat> This is from St. Anthony of Sokolka, Poland, 2008. And so, a host that was consecrated fell to the ground during Mass. The priest retrieved the host and assuming it to be dirty, he placed it into a vasculum, which is a small container filled with water, to dissolve the host. And this is the proper way to take care of a dirty host. And so, later on, the host was only partially dissolved and the dirt looked like a blood clot. And so two scientists by the names of Professor Maria Elzbieta Sobaniak-Lotowska and Professor Stantislaw Sokowski conducted experiments. And so the study from these two took place independently, which I found very fascinating. And so Professor Sokowski was not even informed that her sample was from a consecrated host. And so both of these scientists actually came to the same conclusion. So one knew and one didn't. So they both just went at experimenting, doing research, and they came to the same conclusion, and this being that it was a human cardiac muscle tissue and was still alive. The heart's condition was the same as the earlier mentioned, which I mentioned in the story of St. Mary Buenos Aires. Um, and furthermore, the equipment their equipment was so advanced that they were able to observe that the cardiac tissue was joined to the heart to the host in a manner that was inseparable. So the cardiac tissue was combined to the host in a manner that was inseparable. The Eucharist truly becomes the body of Christ. And so professors Sobeniak Latowska said, even the scientists of NASA who have their dispo who have their dispo I'm sorry, I cannot speak because I think I might have put this in here incorrectly. Or maybe it was just a strange translation. 
I don't know, because I don't know if Professor Sobaniak Litowska spoke English or not, but I'll just read it exactly as I have it in my notes. Sorry for the stuttering. <laughs> so she said, so Professor Sobaniak Litowska said, even the scientists of NASA who have their disposal, the most modern analytical techniques would not be able to artificially recreate such a thing. This can't be made up. This, I mean, this is, all this stuff cannot be made up. It is just something that cannot happen. Um, scientifically, we see that the Eucharist is Jesus Christ. And so let's go very far back into the olden days. Um, so these are, the, these are the ones that I'm reading straight from the realpresence.org. Um, this first one comes from the year 750. And I think some people will be pretty familiar with just like they might have just heard about these Eucharistic miracles. Uh, by some people, I mean like Catholics. Um, if you ever looked into Eucharistic miracles as a non-Catholic, you might also have heard of these. And so please forgive me if I butcher any pronunciations. But so in the year 750 at Lanciano in the Abruzzo region of Italy, above the place where the church dedicated to St. Francis of Assisi stands today, a Eucharistic miracle took place whose precious relics are still preserved today in which it is possible to visit. So this happens at the church that is dedicated to St. Francis of Assisi. And you can still go and see this Eucharistic miracle. And it's from the year 750. Like it's still possible to go and see it for yourself. And so... The various chronicles of the time recount how in the year 750 a priest was celebrating Holy Mass. At the exact moment of the consecration, he was tormented by strong doubts as to whether the body and blood of Jesus were truly present in the consecrated host. He had just finished the consecration when he noticed that the host had been transformed into flesh and the wine into blood. The priest, filled with regret for having doubted, began to weep and beg pardon from God. In the chronicles, the testimony of numerous members of the faithful who witnessed the miracle are also recorded. In 1970, analysis of the relics confirmed that the host transformed into flesh is true flesh, consisting of striated muscle tissue of the myocardium, part of the heart, and that the wine transformed into blood is true blood of the blood type AB, which is the same as that found on the Shroud of Turin. So all these Eucharistic miracles are happening all around the world, and just none of it contradicts the other ones, because obviously Christ never contradicts himself. And so I mentioned earlier how from Buenos Aires that it was revealed to be the myocardium. Here we have in 750 a Eucharistic miracle happen happens, and then literally over 1,200 years later, there's an anal a scientific analysis, and it's revealed to be the myocardium. I mean... Just praise be to Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just unreal. I mean, not unreal because it is real, but it's just, it's just so un. It's just, it's just amazing. It's just so amazing. And so then we'll move on to this next one, which took place around the year one thousand. I'll read it. Here we go. At Trani, Trani, at Trani in the Puglis region of Italy. Gotta love all the Italy Eucharistic miracles. The relic of a Eucharistic miracle which took place around the year 1000 is preserved in the church of St. Andrew. So you can also still go and visit as well. A woman of a non-Christian religion, not believing the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, was pretending to be a Christian 
and during the celebration of Mass managed to seal, steal a consecrated host, which after she arrived home, she put into a pan full of grease and fried it over the fire. Let's pray that nobody does that today. Upon contact with the boiling oil, the host miraculously became flesh, and so much blood began to pour out that it spilled onto the floor. The woman, terrified, began to shout so loud that she drew the attention of the whole neighborhood as well as the civil and church authorities. So if you learn a lesson from this Eucharistic miracle, do not desecrate the Lord who is present in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, Because, I mean, St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, 27-29 how bad it is to receive the Lord unworthily. One, you condemn yourself, you're guilty of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And he writes how many fell ill and actually died from receiving the Lord unworthily. And so I'll actually pull that up real quick. That exact Bible verse, so I'm not butchering it at all. <clears throat> First Corinthians eleven twenty seven to twenty nine reads Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread or drink the chalice of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But let a man prove himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of the chalice. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. So it actually goes on further. Um, where, Yeah, so I'll just keep reading it. So starting at verse 30 now. Therefore are there many infirm and weak among you, and many sleep. So yeah, that's so it's 27 through 30. And I would honestly encourage you all to read 27 through 34. Um, but yeah, 27 through 30 really emphasize... Um, that this is truly the body of Christ. And so not only do the scriptures reveal it, not only does Christ reveal it, um, reveal by it I mean the truth of the Eucharist, um, science also reveals this truth. And so we see a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff on social media just always distracting, always distracting us. Oh, always seeing the bad things in the world, but like read some Eucharistic miracles. And just let the fountain of the Lord Jesus fill you up and encourage you to keep going. And so that'll conclude today's episode. Um, Just want to let you guys know that the Lord Jesus is present in the Holy Eucharist. And that we have so many people, not only on earth praying for us, but in heaven praying for us. And so... I would like to ask Blessed Carlo Acutis to pray for us, another young male saint that I really, really would like to be more like, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frazzati. I would also like to ask Saint Joseph to pray for us, and I would also like to ask our Blessed Mother to pray for us as we pray the Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. And so, that'll conclude today's episode for all of you starting school soon. Maybe you already started school. I hope you have a great year. I hope you work hard. And not only do you work hard, but not only do you work hard in your studies, but you work hard in a sense of, one, reading the scriptures, two, 
living a sacramental life. And three, just looking to the Lord Jesus Christ to guide you in all that you do. Um, if you are discerning a vocation, uh, please let me know. Um, I'd love to pray for you. Uh, like I said, DM me at I'm Sam Emery on Instagram. Let me know you're from the podcast. Uh, but yeah, love you guys. Hope you guys are well. Um, God bless.